and welcome to episode 47 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. On today's episode, we're breaking down last night's Thursday night football matchup between the Eagles and the Packers. The Eagles save their season and go up and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And then we're giving you our week four picks of the NFL, got some locks in there, and then we're talking NBA. Today, you got NBA Media Day, talking some Kyrie, KD, throwing some Lonzo Ball, all that much more here on episode 47 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the pod wherever you're getting your podcast these days, and don't forget to watch the clips on YouTube and give you all your takes on all of today's topics right down below in the comment section. But we've got lots to get into, so let's get right into it. Are you ready? Thursday night football, the Eagles go up to Green Bay and they get a much-needed win and essentially save their season. Since 1990, less than 30 teams have started 1-3 and and made the playoffs. So the Eagles, they needed last night in the worst way, and they got it done. And give the Eagles all the credit in the world. They trail 10 to nothing in the second quarter. It looked like it was going to be a blowout. It looked like Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur were going to start 4-0, but they had other plans. But nine penalties for the Eagles, no deep threats, no Deshaun Jackson, but they get it done. And it was all thanks to Carson Wentz and that running game. So Carson Wentz last night, he throws for three touchdowns, has a QB rating of 113.2, And not the most eye-popping number, 16 of 27 for three touchdowns, but it was that running game for Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. So give them all the credit in the world for establishing that run. And Carson Wentz mentioned the importance of that run game right after the game. Check this out. Play the clip. came in tonight, you know, first of all, we knew that's a good Packers defense. Uh, So we came in tonight with just the mindset to be balanced. Uh, The big guys up front really took care of business. I mean, what do we end up with, 170-some rushing yards? You guys ran the ball well. Um, And so for me, that makes my life so much easier, and we can spread the love. And so guys made plays when we need to make them. It was a big win. And like Carson Wentz mentioned, it was all about that running game, all about that offensive line. He's got to take him out to dinner, take him to a steakhouse, wherever they want to go because they were pounding the rock last night. Jordan Howard, if you remember, they picked him up from Chicago in the offseason. He has 15 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns, and then Miles Sanders, 72 yards on 11 carries. That's 159 yards on 26 carries for a 6.1-yard average, and that is big for Carson Wentz and this Eagle offense. They got 10 rushing first downs, 12 passing first downs, so their ability to run the ball in the red zone, that is what led to those touchdowns, and they went 4-for-4 four four in the red zone, and it was thanks to that running game. Jordan Howard was big. Miles Sanders was big, and this running game is going to be a big part of the Eagles moving forward this season. If you look at last year, the Eagles 29th in the NFL in overall team rushing. This year, they're already in the top 10 at number 9. So they jumped 20 spots, and if you look at it, in games that Wentz has started since 2016, the Eagles are 24-6 and when the team rushes for over 100 yards, and they're 7-0 when they rush for over 175 yards like they did last night. So pounding on the ground, 
gets it done for this Eagles team. And when rushing under 100 yards, the Eagles in that span, they're just 1-13. in So give Doug Peterson all the credit in the world. It's one of the reasons why I think he's a top five coach in the NFL is his ability to evolve and adapt. It kind of reminds me of Rocky Four after he had the fight with Drago and he's addressing the crowd. If I can change. And you can change. Everybody can change. That is why Doug Peterson is an elite head coach. He makes adjustments. He understands his personnel. He understands going into last night, they had injuries to deal with. No Deshaun Jackson, no deep threats. You establish that run game, and you don't put it all on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, 27 pass attempts last night. Last year, only had attempted less than 30 passes once, and that was in a 25-22 win against the Giants. And then the year before that, he had only had less than 27 pass attempts twice in his career, and that was a win against the Broncos and a win against the Cowboys in 2017. By the way, both of those games blowouts. A 51-23 win against the Broncos and a 37-9 win against the Cowboys. So Doug Peterson, he understands his personnel, and when Deshaun Jackson gets back and everyone gets healthy, look, uh, last night, Alshon Jeffrey, he was not healthy, but he was still making catches. Like Aguilar. And then that Eagles defense stepped up in a major way, causing two turnovers, got a fumble, and that big interception by Bradham at the goal line. The Green Bay Packers, four chances inside the five to punch it in and tie things up at 34. And that Eagles defense, they keep him out. Yes, that play calling by LaFleur was a little questionable. You might want to just press Ask Madden. He'll probably tell you to do it. A little HB dive, a little counter up the middle, maybe even a QB sneak by Aaron Rodgers. But they make that throw, and it kind of reminded me of another throw from back in the day. If you're a little Pete Carroll Super Bowl-esque with Russell Wilson. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Game-changing interception there, and that is one area where this Eagles team excelled at in 2017. In 2017, the Eagles were fourth in the NFL in takeaways at 1.8 per game. Last year, they were 28th in the NFL at one per game. Through four games, they're middle of the pack, sitting at 17 at 1.2, but last night was a great sign for that Philadelphia Eagles defense. Carson Wentz, a lot of credit to them. Fly, Eagles, fly. Philly, they're definitely back in the mix at 2-2. And now the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers, that is my Super Bowl pick. So you know, I'm keeping a close eye on Green Bay all season long. And last night, I want to see how much progress would Aaron Rodgers and Matt LeFleur, as Stephen A. Smith calls them, how much progress would this offense make? Well, last night, that was Aaron Rodgers' best passing night of the season. He goes 34 for 53, 422 yards, two touchdowns, and then that interception and then that fumble. Well, to me, that interception, a lot of that was about that bad 
play calling. Look, we know Matt LaFleur, he likes to script out the first part of the game, but once it goes beyond that, then I start to have my question marks about Matt LaFleur because, look, you got the ball on the one-yard line at home. You got to suck it up and run that football. Like I'm saying, do the Ask Madden play, and he's going to tell you, run it up the gut, do an HB dive, a little off-tackle play, even sneak it in, but you can't throw it four consecutive passes. Like I said, it reminded me a little bit, had shades of the Super Bowl, Seahawks, Patriots, and Pete Carroll. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. And, of course, I want to apologize to Seahawks Nation out there. 12th man, my bad. But that is what it reminded me of. It reminded me of that play. And it also reminded me that the Packers have failed once again to develop a running game around Aaron Rodgers. Different year, same story for this Packers offense. Aaron Rodgers should not be the leading rusher for this Packer offense. Yet again, he was last night. Aaron Rodgers last night, five carries, 46 yards. Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 21 yards, a 1.6-yard average, did have a touchdown, but they didn't want to give him the football inside the five at the one-yard line. So that speaks volumes about the trust in this running game. Last night, 77 yards for the Packers, a 3.9 average, and that is not going to get it done. Different year, same story. Why can't the Packers go out and sign a running back, develop a running back, draft a running back? Because you put the onus on Aaron Rodgers. It's too much of a burden on him to try to get yards on the ground. It should not be the case. And if you look at last year, the Green Bay Packers, 22nd in the NFL in rushing. This year, they've regressed. They're down to 25th in the league. And look, for my Super Bowl contender, it's my Super Bowl contender. I want them to have success. They're going to have to find a way to get this running game going. And then also that defense. Now, everyone was drinking the Kool-Aid, eating the bratwurst, when it was about this Packers defense, but that Packers defense did not shine like they did in the first three games. Last night, this Packers defense gave up 34 points, zero takeaways, zero sacks. First three games for this Packers defense, 11.7 points per game average, eight takeaways, 12 sacks. So if you look at those numbers, they don't have that same productivity as we saw in the first three games. You're playing teams like the Broncos, the Bears, a little bit of a weaker schedule. So we're going to see if that was just a fluke, a little aberration for this Packers defense because that is why I picked them because I thought they could get a defense that was top 10 the league. And last time Aaron Rodgers had a top 10 defense, he won the Super Bowl. So they have some stuff to figure out. They're playing Dallas, so they have a lot to get figured out. They do have some more rest. And that offense, at least in the passing game, they started to figure things out for the Green Bay Packers. And now we're to talk some hoots. Like the great Curtis Blow said, they play in basketball. And basketball season is just about to tip off in a couple of weeks. Media day was today for a lot of teams, and Kyrie Irving made headlines. He was unplugged at his media day, very candid in some of his remarks. He gave a 803 
response as to why he left the Celtics and decided to link up with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie was also bringing some heat on the Golden State Warriors, and he had some strong opinions on them allowing Kevin Durant to play in the NBA Finals. Give a listen to Kyrie Irving at the Nets Media Day. Play the clip. We all know Kay was not ready to play in that environment. We all know that, whether people want to admit it or not. He was out 31 days, and we put him on a national stage on the finals to end up selling a product that came before the person, Kevin. And now I'm here to protect that. I'm going to be a protector of that all throughout the year and not allowing anyone to infiltrate that circle of, hey, Kay, do you. Get right. We'll be fine. We have expectations for our team. We obviously know he's an integral part. But we'll wait for that. I'm very patient. I'll be over patient with Kevin because I don't want anything like that to happen to anyone again, um, especially on that type of stage where it happened and him having to answer questions about whether or not he's coming back or not. So I'm here to dispel it that you'll never hear me say he's coming back here. I think he's coming. I want him to be 100 and one percent healthy and of course a lot has been made about Kevin Durant and his decision to play in that NBA finals was it Kevin Durant's decision ultimately yes it was of course Bob Myers Steve Kerr Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, they all wanted him back, and they may have given him a vibe or two saying, hey, get back, let's win this NBA Finals. But bottom line, that is the player's decision. Only Kevin Durant knew whether or not he was good to go. He opted to play, and unfortunately for him, it ended up with a ruptures Achilles, still got paid, still ended up in New York like we all thought he would. But if Kevin Durant had told them, hey, my Achilles is good to go, what were they supposed to do? Were they going to just force him, drag him on the court, throw him the ball, and say give us 40 points? That was never going to be the case. Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant sat down, and they wanted to participate in that NBA Finals. They smelled another championship, and unfortunately, what happened happened, and he's probably going to be out for the entire year. But he even told Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, he asked him, did the Warriors press you to get back? And Kevin Durant said, hell no. How can you blame the Warriors? Hell no, Durant told Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. I heard the Warriors pressure me into getting back. Nobody never said a word on me during rehab. I was coming back. That was going to be it. It was only me and the director of sports medicine, Rick, working out every day right as the series started. I knew I wanted to come back. And I like that. Hey, you're sticking up for your boy. I love that, Kyrie Irving. But bottom line, Kevin Durant chose to play, and that is why he ruptured his Achilles. Now, Kyrie, maybe he wants KD to take the year off because he wants to go back to getting 100 shots a game like it was before LeBron, before he joined Cleveland again. But Kyrie Irving, last year, 23.8 points per game, 6.9 assists, and in Boston, career highs in field goal percentage. Last year, 48%. The year before that, 49%. But that last game against Milwaukee, he was chucking it up, and he was just playing disjointed basketball, led to a lot of dysfunction in Boston, but his talent is so overwhelming. I said it before and I'll say it again. Kyrie Irving has the best handles in the history of basketball. My man's got the ball on a string. If you took Pete Maravich, Jason Williams, White Chocolate, Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson, Hot Sauce, the and one baller, you put that in the pot, mix it all up, put a couple Globetrotter guys in there, 
Kyrie Irving would be the result because what he can do with the ball is special. And if you saw what he did, I just want happiness for Kyrie Irving because a happy Kyrie is a productive Kyrie. You saw in the end in Boston, he said that he failed as a leader. He always wanted to be the leader of a team. He wanted to get out of LeBron's shadow, but he goes to Boston and you saw it did not work out. But Kyrie Irving always seems like he's disgruntled about something, always has an axe to grind. And I don't know if it's the fact that we don't believe him that the earth is flat. We all know it's round, Kyrie. Or that he has to share that round ball with guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But he was not happy in Boston. But I think he will be happy in Brooklyn. I think, look, his dad played for the Brooklyn Nets. He has an established friendship with Kevin Durant. And when KD comes back, I definitely see this team competing for titles in the city of New York. Brooklyn is where it's at for the basketball world in the next couple of years. And you need that. You need the cradle of basketball. The mecca of basketball is New York. More basketball hoops per square mile than anywhere else on planet Earth. And that city is craving a basketball team. And we're going to be asking, where's Brooklyn at for the next three to four years? I definitely see that team on the up. I think KD, Kyrie made a wise decision to join the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have quietly became a first-class franchise. Their owner, Joseph Tsai, some of the deepest pockets in the league. Joseph Tsai, the Alibaba billionaire, his net worth, $9.8 billion, just bought the Nets for $2.35 billion from Prokhorov. And the Nets, I'm telling you, the Nets, first-class practice facility, they have it going on in Brooklyn. So I'm telling you, watch out for the Brooklyn Nets. I know people want to hate on Kyrie for ditching Boston. I know KD and his Achilles, people have their question marks whether or not he can come back and play like he did where he was a two-time Finals MVP and MVP, All-NBA in the conversation for best player in the NBA. And I think they have something to prove. I think we're going to be talking about the Nets for the next three to four years in the East, especially if you consider we don't know what Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to do. So I think the East could belong to the Brooklyn Nets for the next three to four years. And for my NFL picks for week four, we're starting with the Kansas City Chiefs. They head up to Detroit to take on the Lions. And this will be the first time in the career of Patrick Mahomes that he plays inside of a dome. So you know that he's going to light up that scoreboard. I would not sit underneath that scoreboard in Detroit. You know Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to light it up, especially considering that the Lions cornerbacks Darius Slay and Rashawn Melvin are not at full strength. They also play a zone defense. And then Patrick Mahomes is averaging 12.5 yards per attempt with six passing touchdowns when facing zone coverage. So those are best in the NFL numbers. And then Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're going to light up Detroit, giving the Chiefs big over Detroit, something like 42-21. to 42-21 Chiefs. And next, a battle of 3-0 teams. Buffalo and New England. So the Patriots, they go up to Buffalo to take on the Bills and Josh Allen. So here's what you have to know. New England has won 17 consecutive games against first or second year starting quarterbacks. And that is what Josh Allen is. And Josh Allen, he likes to improvise, likes to get out of the pocket. Can he do this against this man-to-man defense that the Patriots use? So the Patriots, they're using man coverage 68% of the time. That's number one in the NFL. 
And Josh Allen averages just 6.6 yards per attempt against man compared to eight versus the zone. So the Patriots, you know they're going to go into Buffalo and get a win. Give me the Patriots in that one. And then a battle of two one and two teams. Atlanta, they host Tennessee, Titans, Falcons. And to me, I like the Atlanta Falcons in this one. You saw what Gardner Minshew was able to do against this Tennessee secondary. And then Marcus Mariota and that Tennessee offense has not looked sharp. I think Atlanta, they get it done. Julio Jones has caught a touchdown in seven consecutive games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. Calvin Ridley, he's been dealing with a hip injury, but he's starting to get healthy. Give me ATL at home. I got the Falcons in that one. And next, the Browns head to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Now, this will be the best pass rush that Baltimore has faced all season long. Miles Garrett and company can do work on that line. And how will that impact Lamar Jackson? He's averaging 99 yards per game on the ground. Will this impact his decision to pull it and run? He says he'd rather be a passer, said he hates the run. But to me, it's going to come down to this Baltimore defense and this blitz-happy defense. This Ravens defense, they blitzed on 47% of opposing quarterback dropbacks this season. That's the highest mark in the NFL. They have the fourth-best pass rush win rate, so they get to the quarterback. And with Baker Mayfield, has not found it this year, has really had a very slow start, struggled a lot early on. I think Baltimore gets it done. And next, the 1-2 and two Carolina Panthers. They go into Houston to take on the 2-1 and one Texans. And to me, I like the Texans in this one. The Texans have not given up 100 yards rushing to a back since week 17 of the 2017 season. I think the defense is going to bottle up Christian McCaffrey enough for Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins to make plays on offense. This Panthers defense, they're using zone coverage on 72% of its snaps in 2019. That's the second highest rate in the NFL, and the unit is giving up a league low 4.6 yards per play, but the Texans at home, Kyle Allen, a second time starting for the Carolina fans. I like the Texans in that one. And next, the Colts host the Raiders. Derek Carr has the third highest completion percentage in the NFL, 73.5%, but he also is averaging just 7.1 yards per attempt. That's 31st in the NFL. I think this Colts D-line is going to get after him. Josh Jacobs and that Raider running game has really slowed down. I'm taking the Colts over the Raiders at home. And next, the Miami Dolphins, they host the San Diego's, check that, Los Angeles Chargers. They'll always be the San Diego Chargers to me. But the Dolphins are trying to avoid becoming the third team to lose four consecutive games by 25-plus points or more since the 1954 Redskins. So they're trying to avoid that. It's going to be difficult at home against Phillip Rivers coming off a loss at home to the Texans. You know they're going to want to get right in Miami. And look for Keenan Allen to have a big game. Last week, 13 catches, 183 yards. And this Miami secondary, they trade away Mika Fitzpatrick. They're very banged up. Maybe Josh Rosen can have some success, but I'm taking the Bolts against the Finns. I don't think it'll be 25 points or more, but the Bolts are going to win that one. And next, the Redskins go to New York to take on Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, and the New York Giants. Of course, Saquon Barkley is out, 
but you got a battle of the two worst pass defenses in the NFL. Defense will be optional in this one. The Redskins have given up more than 30 points and three consecutive games and four straight would tie the team's single season record set in 1954. I was just telling you about that one. I think at home, Daniel Jones and the Giants offense, they light up the Redskins unless we see Dwayne Haskins. I was saying we should see this as a perfect place for Dwayne Haskins to get his first start. I like the G-men against the Skins at home. And next, the Rams host the Buccaneers. Now, this Rams offense, Todd McVay and company, has not been as explosive as we expected, and it's not going to be easy against this Buccaneer defense. Todd Bowles has this Buccaneer defense humming. They rank third in the league against the run, giving up only 69.7 yards per game. I like the Rams at home. I also like the improvement of Jameis Winston. He leads the NFL with 10 completions in the tight windows, and I think he's improved this year. I like the Buccaneers keeping it close, but look for the Rams to get that one done. And next, the Seattle Seahawks travel to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Now, the Seahawks, they drop one at home against the Saints. So they're looking to go and get right against the Cardinals. And Kyler Murray has 137 pass attempts through his first three career games. That's the most by any player since the 1970 merger. And Mike Lennon's 181 attempts is the most through any player through the first four games. So if he throws tons in this game, he could make a run of that record. I think ultimately this Seahawks defensive line is going to get to Kyler Murray. And I think Russell Wilson, they'll score enough points on offense. I like the Seahawks being the Cardinals on the road. And next, we got the Bears hosting the Vikings, an NFC North showdown. And the Bears' defense, they've been great against the run. And the Vikings have the leading rusher in the NFL in Dalvin Cook. So Dalvin Cook, will he get that 100-yard game? It's unlikely. The Bears have only allowed one 100-yard rusher in regulation over their past 37 games. Good news for the Vikings. The last one to do it was Latavius Murray in Week 17 of the 2017 season. So... That was a Viking. I like the Bears in this one. Their defense is special. Khalil Mack and company, they're going to get it done at home. I think, look, Mitch Trubisky, his play has been suspect at times, but he's only going to improve. I like Matt Nagy, them starting to establish the run. Give me the Bears at home in that one. Next, Jacksonville goes to Denver to take on the Broncos. Now, Gardner Minshew, he stepped on the scene, rocking those jorts at the UCLA-Washington State game. That could give him some extra luck. And this Broncos team, the only team in the NFL without registering a sack. I like the Broncos at home. They're so tough at mile high. Gardner Minshew, he has 65 completions through 88 career pass attempts. Per Elias Sports Bureau, he needs only six completions in his first 12 attempts in week four to set the NFL record for his first 100 pass attempts. Very efficient. I don't think they're going to go into Denver and get that win. Give me the Broncos at home in that one. And then next, the Dallas Cowboys. Are the Dallas Cowboys front runners to make it to the Super Bowl in the NFC? We'll find out more about that Sunday night. They go to New Orleans. They take on the 2-1 Saints. And the question, of course, for the Saints is, how will they fare in the absence of Drew Brees? Teddy Bridgewater, he got the win last week in Seattle. But the question is, can he start to get more out of Michael Thomas? And, of course, Alvin Kamara was a stud last week. But the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas is the only team to keep them both at 72 yards or fewer 
since Kamara's first season. So they do very well against Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. And then Dak Prescott, he's having an MVP season. Dak Prescott, number one in the NFL in total QBR at 90.4. He's second in the NFL with nine touchdowns, only trailing Patrick Mahomes. Now the question is, will the Saints get to him? I think they will. Cameron Jordan and the Saints defensive line, they're going to get to Dak Prescott, who's only been sacked twice all season long. But in their past five home games, the Saints... 19 big sacks. I think Cameron Jordan and this much improved Saints defensive line gets to Dak Prescott. I think it'll be closer than the experts think. I think the Cowboys win it something like 26-20, something like that. But give me the Cowboys to win that one on the road. The road win for the boys in that one. And then finally, Monday Night Football, a battle of 0-3 teams. The 0-3 Saints, they host the 0-3 Bengals. Now, Andy Dalton, he ranks second in passing yards this season, 978 yards for Andy Dalton. And the Steelers have given up the second most pass yards in 908. So something's got to give there. But the Bengals, they do not protect the football. The Bengals, they're in a three-way tie with the 49ers and the Dolphins with eight turnovers last in the league. The Steelers, it comes down to them. And can they get James Conner going? James Conner, he's averaging 32.3 rush yards per game this season after averaging almost 75 last year. The Steelers are 1-7 when James Conner rushes for 60 yards or less. So they need to get it on the ground. Mason Rudolph needs to have a much better game. A rough start on the road in San Francisco. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers at home, I like them against the Cincinnati Bengals. They get it off to the Schneid in Steel City. But those are my picks for week four in the NFL. Give me your picks down below in the comments. I want to see who you guys got for all of this weekend's biggest games. But that is going to do it for episode 47 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. As always, thanks for rocking with us once again. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the pod wherever you're getting your podcast these days. Enjoy your weekend, and I'm out.